Hey, welcome once again, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation powered by Nubo Co. and sponsored by Nymaster Good, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm your co-host, Rob Merritt, and my guest co-host today is Samantha Dalby. Uh, Samantha is the Director of K-12 Education at Nubo Co. Uh, We've worked together on a number of projects. Uh, Samantha is way smarter than I am. And Samantha, I'm... I'm really excited to have you here uh, for our guest because we are going to have Marsha Hughes on, and Marsha is the head of school for Cedar Valley Montessori School, and uh, and I know that you have a long history with Montessori, and in fact, uh, you were one of the people who helped bring Marsha on board, so uh, right. I'm really, really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have. Yeah, it's great to have Marsha here. Um, I'm excited to talk to her about what Montessori is and help people understand what that philosophy is around education, uh, how it ties into our traditional school system, and a little bit about my own experience with my kids going through the program. And and before uh, before Marsha comes in, I wanted to just you know ask you a little bit about uh, the work that you do with Nuboco because. Um, you know, we have we have work with tiny techies and uh, and we've got coder dojos and also Nuboco is very heavily involved in helping school districts around the state uh, to uh, introduce computer science curriculum uh, throughout the grade levels. So can you talk a little bit about the educational work that's happening at Nuboco and kind of uh, what your goals are there? Sure, Rob. So the K-12 programs are kind of our long game in supporting a resilient Iowa and helping bring in students with lots of different perspectives and help them, you know, prepare for whatever the workforce might look like. So we have both programs that work directly with students, mostly in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area, like Coder Dojo that you mentioned, where they can come and they can work with us and other mentors, get some hands-on experience with uh, materials, concepts, things like that, and really get them excited about STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, Um, areas and especially around computer science. But then in order to take this outside of just our metro area, we wanted to expand and reach the entire state and students everywhere. And so we also do a lot of teacher professional development to teach computer science to those teachers and have them bring those concepts back to their classroom. So we have a partnership with code.org that we've had for several years now. And then we also have brought in new programs that fill in gaps that didn't exist. So our Tiny Techies teacher professional development helps fill in the early childhood gap for preschool through second grade. And we've also got a program that integrates computer science into a science curriculum in middle school. So it's not just another thing. It's showing them how to do modeling and simulations within that. So there's a lot of work happening with both direct to students to help, uh, you know, while schools get things kind of settled in and then also with our districts all over the state to bring these opportunities to students everywhere. And yet what's fun is that Education wasn't originally what you were studying in no. school. Uh, your background's <laughs> actually very different. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about your your coding background and then kind of how you went from working in coding uh, to working with kids? Sure. So I actually have a degree in computer engineering. And I worked in industry as a software developer for several years, working mostly on short-range wireless technologies like Bluetooth and NFC. Um, I had a lot of fun there. But while I was in that role, I saw how hard it was to attract people to Iowa and get them to stay for more than one or two years before they would bounce back to where their family was from or leave for another opportunity out of the state. 
Um, that and then also seeing the wonderful opportunity that I had both, you know, financially and creatively within the tech field and not feeling like I would ever be without a job. I could, you know, shift and maybe build additional skills to go into a different aspect of coding or computer science, um, but always having opportunities there. And I wanted that for more of students. I didn't realize that until I went to college. I didn't have opportunities in computer science K-12. Um, and so I wanted to bring that to students. I assumed that our schools would have that at that point. And so when I realized when my kids were young that most of our schools in Iowa still did not have anything around computer science. Uh, you know, they called it keyboarding, which is not really computer science. It's just understanding technology. Very important still, but not computer science. Um, I became very passionate about bringing these things to students. And I started off with Nuboco volunteering at Coder Dojos back in the day. And I would bring materials and do activities with students. And then slowly over time, I just kind of got absorbed, kind of like an amoeba. Um, some of our summer camps initially, like in the early days of K-12 that we used to do, and then really built up the teacher program, uh, like I said, to bring these opportunities and awareness to more students all over the state, whether it's rural or urban, suburban, um, no matter what they're interested in. I, I've heard a lot of different descriptions for Nuboco programs and learning what we do, but absorbing it like an amoeba <laughs> might be a first. I feel like that's how we collect people. We like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, come see us, you know, mentor with us, kind of get to know us a little bit more, and then we slowly take over your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm fascinated by what's going on in education, uh, as a new dad especially, um, but there's some really exciting things happening there, and, uh, and I've done a lot of learning about the Montessori school uh, in preparation for today's episode, and it's it's fascinating. Uh, so with that, let's innovate, Iowa. This show is sponsored by Nye Master Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nye Master's cutting-edge positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years. And they have been helping this podcast succeed for two seasons. Uh, they've been an awesome sponsor for us so far. And yeah, they take a really cool legal approach, uh, kind of like taking a really cool approach to education. I'm really stretching that tie-in. I'm really, <laughs> wow, I hurt myself on that one. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just messing around. Seriously, Nine Master Good is really doing great work, and more importantly, they are a great friend to us. That's right, Rob. With more than 70 practice areas, Nine Master has attorneys with expertise in all areas of the law, including corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, government relations, and litigation. There's basically a lot of different areas. And uh, yeah, I wonder if any of the kids going to school now are going to grow up to be attorneys one day. Oh, I'm sure they will. Well, they're going to the be cool learning thing, a lot of things about like social, emotional, and interpersonal skills. Well, and they're going to be learning alternate approaches to yeah. things, you know, alternate ways of thinking about things, looking at things. And, uh, and honestly, those are the best kind of attorneys. And in my experience, that's how the attorneys at Nine Master Good are. So we should ask them if they went to the Montessori school when they were kids. Oh, that's a great question. I'm very, very curious. Mm -hmm. Now I got to find out. Well, Stay tuned. Next episode, maybe we'll know how many people at Nine Master Good are veterans of Montessori. But for now, we can tell you that they're just they're great attorneys and they're really good at what they do. And we're really, really glad that uh, they're on board with us. So to learn more about Nine Master Good, you can visit them at www.nyemaster.com to learn what Nine Master Good can do for you. 
So welcome to the podcast, Marsha. It's great to have you here. Uh, I actually, you and I have been part of the theater scene in Cedar Rapids for a long time. We've like constantly crossed paths, although I don't think we've ever actually gotten to be in a show together. That's absolutely true. We kind of watch each other from afar, and I, I am a fan. I'm As am I. Thank you very I, much. I, I remember your Gypsy in particular. Well, thank you. Which and I was also in, but I was in the TCR you, you production. You were in the other production. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> the yeah. other production. <laughs> were they competing like at the same time? Was it like oh, no. it's brutal. It's brutal. It's like a blood sport. It's crazy how the theaters around here get. But eventually we'll be in the same thing and then you watch out. Oh, there's probably a reason why, right? Like it'll be too good. Take the roof off. Well, and, and Samantha, you were saying before we started that, uh, that you're uh, that your kids were getting involved at, in Theater Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. Children's Theater. Yes. Uh, can, and can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so TCR does summer camps, and we need things for our children to do in the summer because I'm gone a lot. And um, one of the things that they brought back this year is their production camp. So they had a six-week production camp with kids, um, and both of our daughters were in it, the production of The Little Mermaid Junior, and they loved it. They got to be in there with a bunch of older kids, and um, they learned choreography and songs and had little bits and they got to wear costumes. And, oh, it was just they were nonstop. And they, of course, towards the end, they had to keep some little secrets from us. And like, oh, don't, don't, don't tell them. You know, that's something that you know, I didn't really discover theater until high school. Like my first show was A Christmas Carol at Jefferson High School. And I discovered that I loved it. And then I was kind of jealous of all the kids that did get to do youth mm-hmm. theater programs and all these things where they got brought up to speed on theater at a much younger age. And and I think those programs are amazing. And I worked at TCR for a while, so I got to see a lot of them firsthand and see how kids were benefiting from them. And, and I think that kind of dovetails a little bit into what we're talking about today because mm-hmm. we're talking about how you know, innovative approaches to education and taking a different approach, giving kids a chance to kind of get hands-on with things, get a chance to see how things work. And, uh, and so, Marsha, you're, I, I, I always knew you uh, working for the, the Cedar Rapids School District. Correct. Uh, but you joined the Montessori School, was it a year ago? How long ago did you A join? year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with Cedar Rapids for over 20 years. And then I did um, a period of time as an administrator at Summit Schools, which is an independent school as well. And then uh, the board for Cedar Valley Montessori School reached out and asked me to take a look at the head of school position there. And I will uh, confess to having said, I've worked in K-12. What are you... Suggesting this is ages two to six, and the person who probably explained it what the first time was Samantha Dalby, who was president of the board at the time, and she asked me to take a look at it from the perspective of the work that I had done in the school district with independent learning, project-based learning. I'd been very involved in the school district with uh, opening the workplace learning connection and running the um, student internship program for high schools and working with the development of our magnet school program and also the Iowa Big program. So independent project-based learning was always a a forte of of what I was engaged in. And uh, Samantha suggested that perhaps uh, Cedar Valley Montessori was a little bit similar with younger, uh, younger children. She was right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll come back to your, your journey to Montessori. But before we do, um, for those who are listening who aren't necessarily familiar with the Montessori School, can you kind of walk us through basically what the Montessori School is and kind of how its approach to education is a little different from what people usually see? Well, we follow the teachings of Dr. Maria Montessori, and she was a medical doctor, a teacher, a philosopher, and an anthropologist over 150 years ago. And her progressive view of children was 
way beyond her time. And her writing is still very relevant across the world today. So what it offers is we understand that children of different ages have different needs, different development, different levels of development, even within their own age group. So we meet each child where they are in their development and follow that child through their educational journey. Uh, we modify the lessons and materials to meet their needs. Um, so when we focus very keenly uh, on having multi-age learning, that's a strong tenant of Montessori education. So at our, in our program, we have children ages three, four, and five in the same classroom for those three years. So they're actually guiding one another as they're in their learning. Um, the adults are there as guides, not as teachers. They're not lecturing to them. They're guiding them in their learning. But the children are doing a significant amount of that guiding of one another themselves. Um, that's, that's a great place for me to leap off to the fact that Samantha was a parent in our program, and she can speak to um, how that worked with her own children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about that, actually, because I am, uh, I'm a new parent myself. And so we're looking at you know opportunities. Where should Michael go? He's only five months old right now. And, uh, and Montessori has come up a few times. And so I've actually been asking around. And so having both you and Samantha on here is a gold mine for me because <laughs> we've got, you know, you, you're working there and Samantha is a veteran of going through the program. So I'm, so yeah, Samantha, uh, talk a little bit about what the experience was like for your kids at Montessori. Yeah. So I came to Montessori not knowing what it was. I was not familiar with the philosophy. I actually used to work across the street and every day I would see, these lines of very calm looking children go out to the playground like what is this place across there and that can be really unsettling (laughs) if you don't know what's going on (laughs) and uh so I, i did some research before we even had kids on what montessori was and learned a little bit about the background and general philosophy and then when we went to tour um did the I think, Marsha, you still do this where the kids go into the classrooms and they kind of select um, where they feel right. And it seems like a little woo-woo um, situation, but I saw it with my own child um, where she would go into each of the classrooms and she would just look around and she was about 18 months at the time. And usually the one of the directors in the classroom will come and invite them and say, do you want to do a work and something like that. And I'm just thinking she's 18 months old, you know, almost two, whatever. And what the heck is she going to do? And she looked around in certain classrooms and just kind of observed a little bit and then some of them she walked right up to the teacher and um, just kind of looked at them and waited and they one of them gave her a work at a table she sat down and just was like I belong here Um, and it was just this very interesting observation um, seeing them look you know at what she's capable of and give her something to try and see what she does and then kind of show her how to use the materials her repeating it exploring with that Um, And both of our kids eventually went through that program um, and successfully, very successfully, I would say. Um, And what I really liked is that it is um, individualized. Mm -hmm. And so they each got what they needed. They have very different personalities, very different needs, and they met them where they were when they needed it. And that's something that a lot of times you don't see in education. You know, everyone's going to do this with us all together. And now we're going to move to this at this time. And it's very structured around that. And not to say that it's not, there's no structure, but it's... um, it is customized or guided towards the needs of the student, and so they're helping them where they are. We're very much opposed to um, sitting down at 10 a.m. and coloring the brown bear brown. Mm-hmm. That's not Montessori. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do tell the funny story, though, that I no longer will give tours on St. Patrick's Day because that story will blow up in my face. It did this <laughs> year. If you walk in, they will all be coloring the shamrock green because it's a special day. But typically, you know, what we're doing is uh, this is education that's self-directed. It's hands-on learning and collaborative play, and they're mm-hmm. making choices within a very prepared environment, a very prepared materials 
skills that are presented to them in a very prepared way, but they have that creative um, and freedom of choice opportunity within that framework. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that, you know, as someone who hasn't experienced it yet or had a, had a kid in there yet. Um, that's something I'm curious about. You always hear about classes as having, you know, classroom projects, you know, all these students are going to work together on something. And if you have a program that has individualized learning where everything's tailored to each student, how do you still do group projects within that environment where it still feels cohesive? They still feel like they're part of a group, part of a class, even if they're learning different things at different rates. How do you balance that? Well, this is based on the education of the whole child, so physical, emotional, and social. And remember, these are preschoolers, preschool-aged. Um, we have two-year-olds, and then we have the three, four, and five multi-aged. But within that framework, children, of course, sometimes will join us wanting to be very um, singular in their, in their play, in their work. And Maria Montessori referred to play as the work of a child. So you'll hear me use the word work, not play, mostly, um, unless I forget. <laughs> but typically, it's the, their work. They will choose their work, perhaps singular but they'll continue to be invited by the guides um, to engage with others. And the thing you will see, that's the beauty of the multi-age learning. They'll be invited by their older peers to join in. And those older peers are really key and significant to those children joining in and being part of the group environment. Didn't you find yes, that to be the case? I would say that that was one of my favorite things about the program and that, that uh, model is that the youngsters are able to observe the older students and they, they definitely have a process around, you know, they can watch the older students doing their work and if they ask and if that's okay with the other students so that they can see um, and show interest in a certain area and then the guides in the classroom might see oh you know little Jimmy is really always looking at Sophie when she's doing this math work maybe we should introduce little Jimmy to the first stage of that because there's interest there and then those older students get to practice their leadership skills they get to be able to help guide the younger students maybe take responsibility for preparing snack um, helping correct students sometimes. Um, that was one of these strategies that carried over as my kids uh, did go on to public school in a traditional setting. We noticed that our oldest, when she was bored, would become more of a guide in the classroom, <laughs> which we had to, you know, it's not something that those teachers in, in regular school were um, familiar with. And so we had to provide a little bit of guidance and structure and, okay, it's a little bit different here. Um, but she definitely took on that leadership role that she had been prepared for and then just had to kind of modify those expectations a little bit. And children are, they're all unique individuals and they're not likely to pick up the same concepts at exactly the mm -hmm. same time. And I think as, uh, as we've learned in in approaching innovative education, that's part of its success. Within traditional ed, too frequently, children are sort of expected to work, uh, be at the same level, reach the same level, stop working mm -hmm. on that, and move on to the next um, work after that uh, at a certain time. At this point, we want you know we want them to discover it when they're ready for it developmentally, and that that also includes whether they're working independently or in collaborative. Um, yeah. groups. Yeah, I would say that we noticed that the students um, are willing to take more time, take the time that they need to work on things. So it's not like they're feeling rushed and they have to have a deadline um, for for their learning. They can really come about that in different ways. And some of them are going to naturally be more interested in certain areas, like Marcia said, at different times, but they're also maybe going to grasp a concept faster or slower. And so they're given the time that they need and they can come back to that work. And I also like that it has a lot of longevity. So they may do the same work as a three-year-old, four-year-old, and five-year-old, but it deepens and they, they really get to soak in more um, deep concepts as they're going through that work and build upon what they were learning. It's not just like, okay, you learn this and you're done. You never have to do it again. It begins very abstract and then builds to the concrete mm -hmm. or 
I, I forgive me, begins very concrete and builds more to the abstract. And a lot of those works, or all of them actually, have the what we call the hidden curriculum mm-hmm. hidden within them. So when our three-year-olds are working um, at the area called practical life, where they're perhaps uh, measuring and pouring and doing little works that are like that, they're also working on their concentration, their sense of focus, their pincer grasp, their ability, their eye hand-eye coordination, all those things that are going to then lead them closer to towards uh, reading and writing and math skills by their by their hidden curriculum pieces. I'm sure you saw that with both of your children as well. Oh, definitely. And especially over the summers, we would do lots of water activities um, and lots of hands-on. So that's the thing that being in the education field now, I see connections to Montessori in other things that are happening in educational movements around that project-based learning, around individualized projects um, or, you know, long ter- longer-term projects. So giving them the time and having multiple different um concepts or categories kind of woven into things and not just focusing on one silo. It really is based on project-based learning. And mm-hmm. I had the opportunity at a conference in July to meet with Kitty Bravo, who is actually a, a renowned Montessorian. And I explained to her the project-based learning tie to my own background. And she came back about an hour later and said she'd never had a Montessori leader share that as the descriptive before. Mm-hmm. But she agreed that's very much what it is. It really is project-based learning um, for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Samantha, just uh, yesterday we were talking about the Tiny Techies program, and I'm curious, are there elements of the Tiny Techies program through NuboCo that, that use some of the same concepts that Montessori has? <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, that's where Tiny Techies bloomed from. <laughs> um, yes, I was asked, um, what, is, what is the tie-in with technology and our youngest learners, and how can we do that in a way that doesn't involve screens? Because Montessori is very hands-on. We don't, we don't want to just you know, teach through videos and things like that. In fact, it's one of my favorite aspects of it, um, that we aren't just sitting and and watching videos. And so I worked um, and took the knowledge I had and research I had done with um, Montessori for my own kids and talked with teachers and educators at Cedar Valley Montessori as I was developing the Tiny Techies program. And I was able to test that out um, on site with the students who, you know, are, are being brought up in this Montessori environment. And that's where I, you know, did trial and error testing um, and saw it grow and grow and have students come back year after year. So that's why it's had to evolve because the students may be there from three through six or two through six. And so I would see them for multiple years and I had to come up with new activities that were still hands-on teaching the same concepts. And they also gave me feedback on if I didn't do an activity that they really loved from the previous year, we had to go back and do that one as well. Um, But it was a a great environment to test that out and see um, what stuck, what didn't, what we needed to change. And that really blossomed into the Tiny Techies professional development that we now have for educators everywhere. And that includes, you know, classroom teachers in a traditional school, daycare providers, preschool teachers, um, out-of-school programs, extension offices that we can see, and then tie it in with their environment. Yeah, I was talking to Allison on our team, and I asked her about, you know, students who go through the Tiny Techies program, are there lessons that they'll be able to take from that that will help them as they do computer science programs like that as they get older? And Allison's response was, uh, there are things they'll learn from tiny techies that will help them in all facets mm-hmm. of life, not just computer science. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I imagine that the same is probably true for Montessori. If I were to ask a student who goes through Montessori and then enters the school district and you know starts going to you know through working their way through the grades, are there 
things that they learn at Montessori that will then help them to succeed as they go on through the school system? Well, absolutely. We make sure that they have met those kindergarten milestones for one thing, so that when they do advance into tradition, more traditional programming, um, they're prepared for that. We in Cedar Rapids don't have a Montessori elementary, middle, or high school, so the early ed program is the opportunity families have to provide this foundation for their child. So when we send them off into either the public, parochial, or independent schools, and we have seen them graduate just last spring. All four different school, public school districts, private school and parochials all had graduates moving, going in those directions. We want to make sure that they are prepared to join first grade. And we also want to make sure that they're more than prepared as many ways as possible. We want them to be where they are successfully. But for children who have developed their sense of independence and their sense of confidence, that's what we really want them to take away, is a feeling that they have a joy for learning and they want to keep learning and they're ready to be leaders in their classrooms and I and I think we've seen that um, mirrored back to us in commentary from families as their child has Mm -hmm. moved on and you would know best yeah and I would say that what we hear a lot in uh, education about social emotional learning and you touched on that a little bit those are some of the skills that are most important that I see come out of the Montessori philosophy and that training that they get is that they are flexible they're able to go into a new environment and you know figure out through their own different methods that they've they've developed how to be comfortable and figure out what's going on and how to be successful in there. I think one of the myths that sometimes out there is that Montessori is for like the smart kids or the wild kids or something like that, but really it is for all kids and it's really that that individual individualized take on how do you become a successful citizen. And that focus on, like you said, the whole child. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit more about all of the different areas and how it's not just the math focus or the or thing, you know things like that. It is really about developing the, that whole child and how you can be successful no matter what comes to you in the Absolutely. future. Absolutely. When a when a family visits our school and we and we visit a classroom, I make sure to point out that if you visit a program, you want to see five distinct areas of learning in a Montessori classroom. You want to see that practical life area where the children are doing works that that are uh, work helping them develop their sense of concentration, their sense of focus, their pincer grasp. You want to see the language arts area where they're working perhaps with the metal insets and the sandpaper letters and the movable alphabet that were all invented by Dr. Maria Montessori herself and are still used successfully to help children learn to make the sounds and blend the sounds. Also, you want to see the math area with the beads and the the, me- the sizes and the shapes where children can learn what one is so that they don't know what one is until you tell them what, until they learn what one is and build on that. Um, and the activities and works that we have help them develop that skill concretely and then build on that. And then also, uh, you also want to see that history, social studies, cultural area where we're going to work on uh peace education, culture across the world, the way different children live, mapping. You would be stunned, Rob, to see the amount of maps that are created in a Montessori early ed program. Uh, They leave our program able to tell uh, their first grade friends where every country in the world is. It's quite impressive. But those pieces all fall together to help them develop that those skill sets so that they they really then are um, have the abstract contract concepts from the uh, concrete. I would I would be remiss if we didn't somewhat explain that Dr. Montessori's philosophy was built out of her attention to children with exceptionalities. She was looking for ways to help children with exceptionalities succeed. And when her... Um, when, and when you say exceptionalities, what do you mean? We might otherwise refer to that as special ed. 
Gotcha. Or okay. special needs. But exceptionalities is, is the more appropriate description, I believe. So children with those exceptionalities, she was trying to help them be successful. Her programming and philosophy did just exactly that. It met each child right where that child was and helped them be successful and, and move through their education to the uh, at the levels that they needed at their pace. And I believe at that time, 150 years ago, that others were looking on saying, uh, this could work for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does. It, it works for it works beautifully for children of all um, ability levels, of all developmental levels, because we are working very hard to meet meet each of those children right where that child is. And within the framework of a three year old, the developmental levels are vast. Mm-hmm. And so you put three year olds, four year olds, and five year olds together, then you're meeting each one of those classrooms of eighteen to twenty one children right where that child is. And those guides, those teams of three that we have working in our classrooms that are all trained in Montessori education and are able to observe, their it's all based on their observation of children and they're observing what that child is ready for and they're meeting that child, meeting Rob right where he is for when he's ready for that um, that work and that opportunity to build on that um that concept. And then you can repeat that as much as you want, Rob, until you get it down because repetition is how a child learns, plus you'll have fun doing it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to when Michael starts learning things and then telling me about them again and again. And, again. and he'll correcting do you, correcting oh, yes. you. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's gonna pull down a map and be like, "Hey, Dad, show me where this country is," and I'm gonna be like, "Oh man." He absolutely <laughs> will do that. I'm absolutely. sure. Uh, so, so Samantha, you you've mentioned that you were on the board, and uh, and you actually reached out to Marcia when you saw an opportunity that you thought she would uh, be ideal for. How did that happen? What made you what made you think of Marcia and how did the conversation go? Yeah, so the school had been led for several years by Stacy Cataldo. Did a wonderful, fabulous job. And we were looking for someone to continue to take that mission of Cedar Valley Montessori and share it with the community and you know continue it on a, a successful trajectory. And so having someone that has a background in education and can see that potential, um, but also can do a great job uh, representing the school and sharing it with the community. And so Marsha is very well connected in the community, does a great job of presenting things um, and, and sharing it, you know, I think distilling down this information, just like she's been doing so far in this podcast episode of what Montessori is and explaining it to other people, right? So both Marsha and I come from a background that doesn't necessarily involve education, but we work in education and that provides a different perspective and being able to relate it to similar people. And she just does a wonderful job there. And she is a go-getter and she's very um, persistent. <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> this was all happening at a very challenging time during COVID, pandemic, coming out of that, transitions, um, and education has just been flipped all over the place lately. Mm-hmm. And so we needed someone that was very resilient, and we've definitely found that in Marsha, being able to take this on, do her own training, um, put in lots and lots of effort that we know that's very challenging and hard, adding it to her plate, and she's done a great, wonderful job. Well, thanks. <laughs> when they, I will, it, she knows this, this part of the story. When we did discuss this job and I agreed to take it, we sat in a room and said the phrase, I'm so glad COVID's over. That was in April of 21. We all thought COVID uh-huh. was about over. And then June arrived. And so I spent that whole year still navigating mm-hmm. COVID with our community, as did everyone. But it mm-hmm. did it did add quite a, a group of un, you know unexpected additional challenges for everyone, families, staff, our whole community. And we all navigated it together. And I think successfully, uh, our school has, uh, has remained strong. And we've, um, we've 
continued to add to our enrollment with new families as other families graduate on, and um, we're really fortunate to have that. I I think that have fa- as families understand and recognize the the value of having the opportunity to give this as this uh, education as the the basis for their children. I think it's something that a lot of families do want to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were talking before about how you know tiny techies uh, took a lot of ideas from Montessori, uh, but as a general rule, have because this seems to be a very successful way of of teaching kids. Have you seen the you know have you seen administrators in the public school systems at all who have looked at any of these methods and gone, you know, we could learn something here. This is interesting. We should look into this more. Has there been any of that or has it kind of been, they're just still doing their things their <laughs> well, way? The Cedar Rapids School District did look at a magnet school at one time that would have been a Montessori kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I was involved in some of those conversations. That wasn't something that made its way out of uh, out of consideration at the time. Montessori at the um, elementary, middle, and high school level, when it would then be governed by the Department of Education, is, is a little bit, there's a little bit of a trick to that because Montessori is not based on everyone hitting the same marker at the same time. So in other words, assessments. That puts public school districts in a really awkward position. It's not un- it can it can be done, but it it really really is it, it takes some finesse and a lot of time and a lot of support and I think that our this part of the country has not embraced Montessori mm-hmm. as widely as other parts of the country as far as the K twelve structure, mm-hmm. um, but yes we do see a lot of mirrored pieces of Montessori the very pieces that that are similar to my background those as I said those all have Montessori concepts rolled right into them just without the name. Um, you'll see a lot of Montessori-esque type things in classrooms. The the structure and the layout, and Samantha can speak to what maybe she's seeing now with, with her work too. You see a lot of that without that name on it. Mm-hmm. Montessori is not a trademarked word. We can use it anywhere we want. But at the same time, I think that school districts shy away from putting that word on there because they're not they're not really, it's not a Montessori program. But mm-hmm. you do see a lot of those pieces. Yeah, we're definitely, especially in Iowa, seeing a lot of more focus on work-based learning, the project-based learning, um, connections to the community, which is a big piece there too, getting students um, not just in their little bubble of school, but making sure that they're connected with the community and having meaningful projects to work on. We are definitely seeing that the high school level is trickling down at the middle school level. Elementary school, we see some through magnet schools, like Cedar Rapids does have several magnet schools that try to take different um, focus areas in there, and they weave it through that. But I think overall, it is it does go back to that challenge of how do they um, meet those standards that are required while providing the Montessori philosophy environment. And so and that, I think, gets to a, a classroom-by-classroom classroom level. You'll see different teachers involve different things where students may have some choice. When they come in, they may have general routines that they go through, but they may be able to select certain things to warm up. But then we still see a lot of that structure throughout the day. We are getting a little bit away from that, um, And then in some cases, you'll see stations where students will rotate through different stations. Again, that's still time-based. My kids will say they never get enough time. It's like 10 to 15 minutes. They're like, but I want to do that one more. Um, So there's, there's, you know, like that-esque, right? Montessori-esque things that we could always do better. But again, there's that education piece, right? In, In my experience talking with teachers, they go through a traditional teacher prep program. They may maybe spend a week learning about it or a very short amount of time, but they don't really understand the full essence of it. And they certainly don't go through, you know, a specific Montessori training, um, which is, you know, separate to just your uh, traditional teaching degree. 
You know, Marshall, you were talking about all the different aspects that kids are learning in the classroom and how it's it's made me wonder, what is a typical day at Montessori like? You bring a student, uh, you know, and you, you, you bring them to school. What's a typical day? Oh, I love outlining our day. So we are open from 7.30 to 5.30. And from 7.30 to 8.30, we do have families that drop off their children in that time period. Now, because we're early ed, we are licensed through DHS. So we follow that ratio, that situation as far as ratio with children and staffing. So from 7.30 to 8.30, families, uh, we do have many families who drop off. But 8.30 to 11.30 is what we consider our first work cycle. You remember I mentioned that Maria Montessori referred to play as the work of a child. So our day is divided into work cycles. And that work cycle from 8.30 to 11.30 is when we expect all of the children who are enrolled to be at our school. Uh, during that first work cycle. So families are dropping off and the children are joining their classrooms at that time and they're getting to work in uh, for that, what we consider by and large an uninterrupted work cycle that within that time frame, if you, Rob, were a student there and were to have had a lesson on a work and chose to work, do that entire, that work for those entire three hours, with the exception of a break I'm going to mention to you in a second, um, you could do that. We would embrace your opportunity to continue that learning. Now, when I describe we have the uninterrupted work cycle, the humor of that is we have one playground <laughs> and we can only put one class on a playground or in a gym at a time for safety reasons. So there's a schedule. And it does not matter whether you're the age of two, three, four or five, you know mentally what time you're going to the playground <laughs> so they will either remind us or you know they have so they do move and they will leave their work they will put their works out on a rug they'll be doing their work you will see suddenly everything's labeled with names and they've all gone to the playground but otherwise within that work cycle we want children to have the freedom to repeat and work within that uninterrupted time then at 11.30, some children dismiss. Some of our attendees are morning only. Again, we're an early ed program, so we do have children who are only there in the morning. We do lunch at 11.30. We are a cold lunch only school. Everybody brings lunch from home. And as, as is another tenant of Montessori, you lunch with your school community. So you're lunching in your classroom with your school community. And, you, and the children will set that up for lunch with tablecloths um, and their chairs. Grace and courtesy is infused into all of our lessons with children beginning with the age of two. They are learning how to take care of their needs that way, take care of one another. When they start coming home at the age of two and a half, clearing the table, parents start calling me like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> Uh, it's the coolest thing to watch. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we do have a rest period time for children. All children are, we are required to provide that to all children by DHS. But of course, our youngest learners are napping at that time. And I believe they should be requiring that for the adults as well. But that's oh, not what we point. get. <laughs> 2.30 is the next dismissal time for a lot of our families. Some of our, our families dismiss at that time. And then from 2.30 to 5.30, families, uh, our children are there for whatever period of time they're there. And that's a more creative work cycle. In that second work cycle, children who aren't napping are perhaps working more focused on the, the academic-based pieces within the classroom, particularly if there are third-year children. They're spending more time sitting at a chair. We do feel we have a responsibility to help guide them to understand understand that the structure of a traditional classroom has come in their way. So they need to uh, have a little bit of respect for that at that point and understanding. We'll work on those reading skills for those older children. It's a busy time throughout the whole day. That third work cycle is a little bit freer, a little more creative, fewer children. They may be helping prepare the environment, which is a very key tenant of what we do. They help take care of the school. They prepare their environment. They'll be helping take things uh, in and out of the kitchen area or the laundry area or get their room set up for the next day so that they have that sense of respect and involvement that way. And then at 530, everybody who's still there is gone, and that's the end of our day. Mm -hmm. 
One of the things that I really loved as well, as you reminded me thinking about that, is the natural consequences pieces that are built in. So you talked about uh, the practical life where students are pouring things. Well, oftentimes, if you're thinking about two-year-olds to six-year-olds, we have spills, we may drop things, things may break. And I loved um, how Montessori philosophy kind of embraces that. If you mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about like what happens when we fail, because that's a big thing I see in traditional schools of kids get afraid of failure right. and it holds them back. And here, I think, you know, I saw it with my own kids and the other kids that I worked with at Cedar Valley Montessori. That's not, not the case. Absolutely not. And it was one of the pieces that I discussed with families at orientation on Saturday when I was reminding them of the importance of continuing what we do into the home so that we're working together. We want children to uh, embrace the opportunity to learn from failure so, and things get messy and that's okay because they will help clean it up. When we make messes, we work together to clean those up. Someone doesn't do that for you. Now, if we break something that's glass and dangerous, the adults are cleaning that up. I don't, I don't mean to put that out there, but children are cleaning up their own messes by and large. They're learning that when you do something and it doesn't go the way that it was perhaps supposed to go, I put air quotes there, then maybe that was a different way to do it. You've learned a different way to do it, or you'll continue to do it and master it the appropriate way down, down the line as you continue to practice and repeat. That's why we allow and, and, and encourage re repetition of a work. And we embrace the fact that things don't always go the way you want them to, and that you'll learn oftentimes a lot more from the failures than from the immediate successes we learn from learning and working on things much more uh, than we do when it just comes easily we talk a lot on this podcast about the the fail forward concept mm -hmm. the idea that you mm -hmm. can't make progress unless you're willing to fail because if you're afraid of failure you'll never try anything and mm -hmm. children need to embrace that at a young age mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so both of you are working extensively with with kids in you know montessori the nubico programs I'm curious, why do you love what you do? I really love that this is giving children a, a good launch. Um, my background had, my one-on-one -on -one background with students had been high school students. I had worked with the Workplace Learning Connection and the internship program and the business community that way, and I really, really loved my one-on-one -on -one with high school-aged children. And she's smiling because that was one of the things I said was, you know I work with high school children, <laughs> right? Um, these are really very similar, only they're shorter in a lot, <laughs> in a lot of, and this is a little bit more like herding cats. But in this case, it's, it's a it's a real blessing to be able to help prepare children and give them that foundation that will then hopefully inspire them to continue wanting to uh, embrace individualized learning and accept that that's available to them and not take the answer, no, it's not. I want, I want children to be independent and, and advocate for themselves. And this type of a program, I, I feel, is giving them a good launch in that direction. I also very much... Um, my heart is in meeting every child where that child is and not every child is at the same place at the same time. And we really need to embrace that and not push that aside and only, only work with those who are at the same level. We need to embrace that piece. So I really appreciate the chance to do that. And Samantha, you and I have talked before about how, you know, your background was in coding in you know, working on computers and, uh, and you kind of found your way into working with, in education and with kids. And, um, what, what do you love about doing that? What, what have you discovered about that kind of work now that you've been doing it for a while? Yeah, I find that uh, it's very tangible work. I can see the outcomes. I can see the aha moments either with students or the teachers that will be working with students. And uh, at Nuboco, we talk a lot about uh, creating a resilient, you know, resilient community, resilient state. 
Um, and Montessori, like to me, that that starts at very young. How do we become resilient? How do we become flexible when things change or they don't go as you expect? And being able to help prepare students for that early, um, you know, and then also K through 12 is very important to me because our companies need that. We need innovative thinkers. We need people that feel comfortable saying, oh, like maybe let's try it a different way that we haven't thought about before and seeing that. And we need those people to stay here. And so building that community where they feel welcome right from the beginning and knowing that they can work with different people that have different perspectives and different feelings and all of those things um, is very important to me just because of the experience I had in industry and then also seeing our education systems, you know, slowly over time start to change and being, a, being able to be a part of that and kind of merge those two worlds together. So Marcia, if someone is listening to this and they want to know more about Montessori or possibly take a tour, uh, what do they do? Where do they go? Well, they can call the school at 319-365-5155. They can find us on the web on online at uh, www.cvmontessori.org. So cvmontessori.org. And you can click on a button right there and sign up for a tour. I'd be happy to uh, meet with you and have you come see our beautiful school and learn more about us. I'm just impressed you had the phone number memorized. I like do. Nobody memorizes <laughs> phone numbers anymore. You it's can like, also... Hold, hold on, let me check my yep, phone. Oh, it's this. Here you go. I got that. That I, Years and years of knowing how to remember how to do that. But also, we're on Facebook. And I do encourage families to, uh, just as they're thinking about things, to find us and like us on Facebook. Lots of wonderful posts there about what's happening at our school that are very um, inspiring and might draw you uh, more towards uh, wanting to learn more about Montessori. Montessori, there's a lot of families who are doing Montessori in their homes, and they don't really know it. Mm-hmm. And I think that families should be very proud when they realize some of the things they are doing. If you're offering your child the opportunity to clean up after a meal and have a little broom that's their size, have a little table that's their size and help you prepare a meal and make a mess doing it and then help them clean it, help you uh, clean up. If you're offering them the opportunity to do those things uh, without rushing them, if you're offering them the opportunity to take time putting their shoes on to leave as opposed to losing your patience, which is not a criticism, it's it's just a reality, (laughs) uh, and putting them on for them if you're giving them that chance to do for themselves because we want to not do for the child what we believe they can do for themselves and that's a that's a straight up Montessori quote but Mm -hmm. it's very true my dad offered me so many opportunities to shovel the driveway and wash the car (laughs) uh, and to clean my room he offered me that opportunity very Montessori all along yes my dad was absolutely about Montessori and he didn't even know it you have to start them young they want to do it (laughs) when they're little when they get older they don't want to they (laughs) I have children who line up to try to help push the recycling cart and go collect the, the, the trash and dump the trash with our environmental specialists. They sign up to work with Miss Laura because they want to come help and do those things. They sign up to water the plants. They want to sweep. They want to take things back and forth from the laundry. They want to do those roles because it's helping to take care of their environment, which is our shared community environment at our school. And they, they really embrace that. And I do hear that they do do it at home, too. So <laughs> that's fabulous. Well, Marcia, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fascinating. I'm actually, my wife and I are signed up to take a tour of Montessori next month, which I we're know. looking forward to. So this was a nice uh, sneak peek at what we're in for. Uh, but uh, but thank you so much for chatting with us. And uh, and yeah, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll be seeing you at the school in about another month. Well, it was my pleasure. I look forward to having you guys come and visit and showing you the beautiful school and introducing you to Montessori. Thank you so much to our guest, Marsha Hughes, for coming on the show today. Hey, if you love the show, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways summarized and detailed. This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. 
Finally, we would sure love if you considered a donation to NuboCo. Your contributions to our nonprofit help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. To learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. Well, I feel like I learned a lot today. I, I don't know how much you learned because you are already so involved in, uh, in, in both Montessori and in, obviously, NuboCo's education programs. But... I can tell you, I learned a lot. Well, and I always love seeing other people's perspective when they come and like learn and can relate, you know, something new to their perspective. So as a new dad, it's great to see you get excited and think, oh yeah, my, my son could be doing this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And at some point he's going to be grilling me about uh, naming every country on the map. <laughs> and I am going to be like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know where Hawaii is. There we go. <laughs> it's okay, Rob. There's a song for that. I can teach you the country song. You can at least learn that. Can you sing it for me right the now? the continents. I know the continents, I know the continents, I know all the names. We'll start with that. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm so excited wait, wait, to learn this. Wait, you promised I wouldn't have to sing I made this. no such promises. I said I would try <laughs> to make sure you didn't have to sing. <laughs> well, and thank you so much for joining me today, Savannah. This was really fun. Uh, it was great to be with you, Rob. I'm looking forward to coming back. All right. Well, hey, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we've got a pretty good guest lined up. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, you'll have to wait until next week to find out who. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Hey, thank you so much and uh, have a great day.